Good morning, folks. How great was that, eh? Amazing. Singing that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, is alive. All our sickness, all our sorrow, he has carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. Turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise, there is blessing in the battle. So take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice. Amen? Amen. Welcome on this Resurrection Sunday morning. Christ is risen. We'll do that again. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Amen. If you've got your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, please take that Bible as a gift from us. It's the most precious thing that anybody could ever give to you is the Word of God. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 11. I'd like to keep your Bibles open because I'm going to be making reference to other parts of 1 Corinthians 15. Some of them will be on the screen, some of them won't. So let's read. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, and worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to warn me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and we thank you that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is at your right hand, and we thank you that our faith is not in vain. We thank you that the gospel is the most important news that the world has to hear. And I pray today in, on the earth that the gospel will be proclaimed and people will come to know you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you love a story? I love a story. All humans love stories. Nobody really knows, but research does suggest that all of us, old and new, really like telling stories and hearing stories. Even if those stories are about ourselves, people like to tell stories about themselves. And given the choice between listening to a long and complicated argument or a well-crafted story, most of us know which one we would go for. Maybe it's because the stories help us to make sense of what is going on around us. They connect with our past. They help us to figure out who we are and what kind of people we ought to be. Folks, many a time have I read a book or come out of the cinema after engaging with a really, really brilliant story where I've contemplated my own life, my own decisions, my own direction. It's even shaped some of my dreams. Or many a time I've found myself wanting to be the heavyweight champion of the world after watching the Rocky films. More recently, 
I was captured by the story of the founder of the circus, P.T. Barnum, portrayed in the film, The Greatest Showman. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know it's whether I want to be like P.T. Barnum or more like Hugh Jackman. I'm not sure. And only last week, I watched a story about the, the, the rise of Liverpool Football Club in and through the legend Bill Shankly. Now, in some strange way, all of these stories connect with me. They connect with me. One of those stories is complete fiction. One has been embellished to create a great story, and one is true and told by eyewitnesses. But all connect with me. See, this really good story that connects often leads us to a point of despair where all seems lost only then to erupt into uncontainable joy as good triumphs over evil. But all these connecting stories, whatever stories are coming to mind for you, all these connecting stories sit under and mimic the true story of history, the true story of the world that shapes every story and connects with every human being. And the story goes a bit like this. The story that has a beginning of perfection, which is then corrupted and broken in some way, that then leads to despair and hopelessness, which then introduces a hero who redeems, often through some sort of self-sacrifice. And those that he seeks to save are restored through a triumphant return. And the end is that evil is defeated and we all live happily ever after. If you don't believe me, log on to the Disney Channel this afternoon. That's every story. See, the story that Paul here, as he writes to the church in Corinth that he planted, describes is a story that is the story of history. It's the story that all other stories mimic, and he calls it the gospel. The good story, the good news story of Jesus Christ. And he reminds them that this gospel, this story, is something that they received. It was something that they heard about. It's something that they listened to. And it was a story that resonated because it was the story of a hero who who stepped into the despair of the human condition that had been caused because of sin. It's a story about a hero who died on a cross in their place. You see there in verse 3? that this hero, Jesus, died for their sins according to the Scriptures, that he was the hero that had been promised and the means by which he would save was to give his life as a sacrifice and die in the place of those he came to save. Paul is saying, I want, you, I want to remind you of this story. The meta-narrative, the most important story which you received and also by which you stand, he says, He is saying that this story is foundational to who you are and foundational to how you are to live. Like I said before, folks, stories shape people. And this ultimate story is no different. Paul says, I want to remind you that this gospel now shapes your life. Because what the hero Jesus has done through his sacrifice of dying for you is to save you from the despair and hopelessness that life is ultimately heading towards, which is death, which feels so abnormal because each and every one of us were not created to die, we were created to live. Paul is saying 
the hope of this wonderful gospel. This good news story is that the hero Jesus has stepped in and sacrificed himself by dying for us and this shapes how we live because we know that this sacrifice saves us. Why? Verse four. Because part of the story is that after dying, he was buried. But three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering the ultimate reason for hopelessness and despair that we face, which is death and the grave. Amen? Folks, that's why it should shape our lives. That's why it is life-changing. The cross without the resurrection is just a dead man on a cross. The resurrection without the cross is just a miracle. But in fact, we know that our sins have been forgiven. We know that we have hope, why? Because the one that stepped in our broken condition took what we deserve, is now alive. And he's conquered the greatest despair that we all face, which is death and the grave. And not only did he rise from the dead, it tells us there, verse five to eight, he appeared to people. He appeared to his disciples. He spoke to 500 people at one time. And then even Paul, who's writing this letter, says, even though I didn't deserve it because I persecuted the church, the risen Christ appeared before me. What I'm telling you is the truth. What I'm telling you is what I have seen. I have seen that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Paul is saying, let me remind you of this story, which you heard that you resonate with. And because the story gives you hope of more than this life, because he conquered the grave, enables you to stand and live life that is different. See, Paul reminds them that this gospel, this good news story, was the first thing that he shared with them because this is the most important news that he could ever bring. It is the most important news that they could ever hear. And folks, this morning, whether you're a Christian or not, Jesus Christ being risen from the dead is the most important thing that you will hear today. It is. And this news, this story... This gospel of Jesus Christ is the meta-narrative of all stories, of all history, of all human longing, and all existence. J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, said this about the story of Jesus Christ. He said, it is supreme. He said, this story is supreme, and it is true. Art has been verified. God is Lord of angels and of men and of elves. Legend and history have met and fused. His contemporary and somebody that many of us love, C.S. Lewis, also said this. He said, the story of Jesus Christ is a true myth. It is simply a true myth, a myth working on us in the same way as the others, but with this tremendous difference that it really happened. That it really happened. Folks, he, Jesus, the true hero that we are all longing for and longing for, has conquered the grave through the work of the cross and the resurrection 
And the conquering of the grave through the cross and the resurrection is the only accomplishment in history that assures us four things. It assures us, number one, that there is life beyond the grave. It assures us, number two, that we can have joy beyond belief. It assures us, number three, that we have a purposeful mission. And number four, it assures us a truly happy ever after. Number one, it assures us life beyond the grave. Have a look at chapter 15, verses 17 to 22. Paul goes on to write this. And if Christ has not been raised, he says, if he's not been raised, because there were some issues in the church where people say, well, what, did he really rise from the dead? And Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is, in, is futile and you are still in your sins. So if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, that means what he paid on the cross has not been paid. The evidence for us is that we know it's been paid because he's risen from the dead. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished he says if in Christ you have hope in this life only we are are of all people most to be pitied but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead the first roots of those who have fallen asleep for as by a man came death by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead for as in Adam all die so also in Christ shall all be made alive The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that humanity has conquered the grave. It means that the debt that was owed has been paid by a human being, the Lord Jesus. Folks, let me remind you that death was not the original intention when God created the world. It was not the original intention when he created the first human beings. See, humanity made as image bearers of God were created to display his glory and to live in the presence of God under his loving rule. But humanity didn't want to live under God. They didn't want God to rule over them. Humanity wanted to rule themselves. So humanity ignored his good word, rejected his good rule, and did what the one thing that he said would ruin everything. They ate from the tree that he had forbidden, even though they had all the other trees to eat from. And as a result, it ruined everything. Death was not the intention. But because of our sin and our rejection of God, who is life, death came in. That's why Paul says there in verses 21 and 22 that we've just read, For as by a man came death, and for as in Adam all die. Death came because of men. Death came because of Adam. Death came because Adam, the first man, rejected the God of life. And the wages of that rejection, the wages of that sin, the wages of that rejection of life became death. You walk away from life, the wages of that are death. That's why death is amongst us, folks. That's why death feels so wrong. This is why we have an innate hatred of death, because it's abnormal, because it is the enemy to what it is to be an image bearer of God. But because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who the Bible tells us was sinless, stepped into our place, becoming sin for us and dying in our place on the cross, he paid the wages on behalf of us. He died on behalf of us. The justice that needed to be served because of that rejection of God was paid for by him, and he took it upon himself on the cross, and we know that that has been paid in full because he has been raised from the dead. 
because he walked out of the grave. Folks, if Jesus is not alive, we are still in our sins. And the wages, the debt, still needs to be paid. And if Jesus is not alive, and we are living for this, this Christian life, just for this life, then we are people most to be pitied. Why would you live this life? <laughs> why would you? If Jesus is not alive, why would you submit yourself to somebody that's dead? Or to the words of something that is a lie? Paul is saying, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, we of all people are most to be pitied because we are given our lives to a lie. But because he is alive, and because he has raised from the dead, our hope for something that is beyond this life is real. Amen? It's real. See, the Bible goes on to say that the Bible says that if we, by faith, believe that Jesus has paid the wages for our sin, the sin for us, we also will experience the re a resurrection like his. So if he's paid the sin and death for us, we will also experience a resurrection like him. Paul, in another letter to the church in Rome, writes this. For if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. If we're happy to put our sin and our brokenness and our rejection on Jesus and he pays for that, we also can enjoy the fruit and the blessing of the fact that the one who dies in our place rises so we can rise also. Amen? The resurrection of Jesus gives us life beyond the grave, folks. It shows us that there is more than this life. It gives us hope in the despair, the despair of our lives now, but also the despair that even though life may be good for you at the moment, you do know and you do have an inkling that it all, could all change tomorrow, couldn't it? And we also know that ultimately we all die. Without faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the despair of death hangs over us. But with faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have hope in the despair. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means the sin of your past does not define your future. Amen? Amen? How many times have you slept? How many times have you tried to sleep? And on your own, with your head on the pillow, the evil one just replays and replays and replays sin and things that you've said and things that you've done and things that you should have done and people that you've heard and he just plays it and plays it and basically says, how can God love you? You been there? The wonder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ knows that our sin has been paid for so my past does not define my future. Amen? My future is life for eternal with him. The resurrection of Jesus means the hope that life beyond the, there is life beyond this it means the struggle of the present will not keep you from glory. The struggle of the present, whatever it may be, will not keep you from the glory that awaits. The resurrection gives us the promise that Jesus will do what he promises. Did you notice when Jenny read at the beginning and the ladies went to the grave, the women went to the grave and they met the two men that were angels and they said, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is not here, just like he told you just like he told you. Folks, we can believe in the promises that we read in God's word because Jesus is alive. If Jesus wasn't alive, I would say throw it in the bin. How can you believe that? But the evidence is Christ is alive.
So therefore we can believe his promises even in the midst of the struggle of life. And the resurrection gives us hope as we sense the darkness of our own hearts. It gives us hope knowing that there is life beyond the deadness of our hearts. It gives us hope knowing that there is life beyond the mundane of the day. And it gives us ultimate hope because we know that there is life beyond the grave. The resurrection assures us that there is life beyond the grave. Amen. Number two, the resurrection enables us to experience joy beyond belief. Imagine what it was like on that resurrection morning. Imagine being there. Imagine finding the empty tomb. Imagine seeing Jesus standing in front of you after you'd seen him tortured and brutally murdered on a cross. Imagine that. How would that change your life? How would it change your life? So my question is, how does the promise of the resurrection of Jesus affect how you live now? It's interesting, when you have something to look forward to, it changes how you approach the months, the weeks, the days, the hours as you get closer to it, doesn't it? You've got something, the hope and the excitement of what you, what you expect and desire changes how you approach that, that time. It changes your life as you lead up to it. I gave this example only a few months ago, but I'll give it again. Imagine if you hate your job, just imagine. I absolutely love my job, just to clarify. All right, but if you, if you, you and it's a mundane, it's the nine to five and it's boring and it's rubbish, but you know that in four weeks time, you've got a holiday booked, whatever it may be. And you count down the days. You can get through the mundane and the difficulty of the job, whatever the issues that you're facing, whether it's with your boss or with clients or with colleagues or the pressure of whatever it is, you can get through because you know in four weeks' time you're going to be able to switch off your email, switch off your phone, and just relax and enjoy the beach if you haven't got kids. Because <laughs> if you've got kids, holiday is just looking after your children in a different location. But you see what I'm saying? It does change things, especially that week leading up to the week leading up. You don't even think about your work. Say, yeah, whatever, email, yeah, whatever, I'm going on holiday, woo, boo, send, 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 and then you're off. Changes everything. The interesting thing is that what is promised because of the resurrection is a joy that goes beyond belief in this life. See, the joy of that holiday, it does sort of overflow. Whatever I'm going to go through in the next four weeks with my job, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to experience when I'm on the beach in real. <laughs> See, no one thought of real, did you? <laughs> See, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 56, turn over the page, it's not on the screen. It tells us that one day, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we shall be changed. Amen? The perishable reality of life, everything perishes, folks. Our minds, our bodies, the Bible says there will be changed. We will be given new bodies, new minds, and a life that is imperishable. Amen. Because, verse 54, verse 55, the sting of death will have no effect because death has been swallowed up by the victory of Jesus Christ and the cross and resurrection. Amen? 
The reality of knowing that this is the assured future of those who have faith in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, brings a joy that goes beyond belief. It brings a joy. It brings a deep-seated Deep well of joy, whatever the circumstances. Why? Because I know that one day, because of the resurrection, this perishable body will put on the imperishable. And this mortal body will put on immortality because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, never to die again. And I follow him in that victory. Amen. It gives a joy. And it was Cephas, it says there, which is another way of saying Simon Peter, Simon, who ran to the grave when he heard that it was open and he appeared, Jesus appeared to him. He writes in one of his letters in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 and 7, he says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Folks, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have been given a new start, it says. We have been born again. Born again. Because we are right before God, we are born again, and we are what the Bible calls, in another letter that Paul writes, new creations. New creations. We are destined for a new world where there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no death, and 1 Peter 1 says it is being kept and guarded for you. Amen? That's all wrapped up, sealed, ready to be delivered. Today kept in heaven for you. And Christians, as Christians, it's this that we rejoice in. Amen? Jesus has risen from the dead that assures us that what we have is being kept for us. We rejoice in that even though we may struggle now. That's the joy. That's the joy. That's the joy that goes beyond belief. That's the joy that enables us to, 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 to step through the circumstances where the pain may not be removed. The sadness may still be there. The heaviness may still bring us down. The struggles may still be there, but the promise of the resurrection of Jesus and for his people brings a joy that goes beyond belief even in those circumstances. Some of you may be here this morning who aren't Christians, but you turn up on Easter Sunday because that's what you do. It's a good thing to do. It's a good tradition. We like doing it. Some of you may have been coming for years and even name the name of Christ, but look and see how do these people that I know who say they love Jesus cope and live through the pain and the suffering and the circumstances of their life? They're able to live and cope and walk through the reality of the brokenness of this world because they have a joy of knowing that they have an inheritance that has been kept for them because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. That's a joy that goes beyond belief. Amen? Number three, the resurrection of Jesus gives us purposeful mission. 
One of the things that we have to see in and through the wonderful story of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we also are invited into the story. We're invited into it. See, because of the cross and resurrection, his work for us leads to his work being accomplished through us. Now hear me, we don't die on the cross and rise again. But we as, his, as new creations, as his ambassadors, we as those who believe in the resurrection, like Paul, go and tell everybody else and tell them that this is the most important thing that you need to know. So the message, the storytellers are invited in. No, the, sorry, the ones that are saved are invited in to be storytellers. So the work of the proclamation of the gospel is done through us and the work of the Spirit saves people. The glory of the cross and resurrection becomes, folks, the crescendo of the story that changes everything. It's from this point where Jesus dies and rises again that things start to make sense for Jesus' closest followers. It's the crescendo moment that becomes the weight behind the gospel of Jesus. See, the point of the resurrection is not so that we can sit back and wait for our eternal ever after. Or just to give us a spiritual dimension to our lives. The point of the cross of resurrection is to reconcile humanity back to God and for him to be glorified as more people hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus. That is the point. See, the purpose, meaning, and mission that we now have. Purpose, meaning, and true mission that we now have because of the resurrection is to bring him glory by sharing the good news with others and living lives that are shaped by that reality. No other purpose, no other meaning, no other mission. That's why Jesus died for us. And sadly, we allow other purposes other sense of meaning and other mission to overshadow what God calls us to do. Verse three, Paul reminds the church in Corinth that the first thing that he shared with them was the gospel. I delivered to you as first importance. I've got loads to tell you, but I need to tell you this first. I've got loads I wanna share with you, but I need to share this with you first. See, what's interesting, and this is hopeful for us, because it's difficult, isn't it, to share the gospel? Let's be real. It is hard. He goes on to say that if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching and faith is in vain. So if we proclaim the gospel, we share the gospel. If Jesus isn't alive, it's in vain. Verse 14, but we know that he has been raised. Therefore, our lives and proclamation are not in vain. They have purpose. They have meaning. And they are a true mission. That's why Paul says in verse 58, turn over to verse 58. This is why he says, Therefore, in light of the fact that the resurrection is true, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul says, therefore, in light of the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, that the sting of death has been swallowed up, and that he has given us victory over it, be steadfast and immovable. Stand in the truth of the resurrection and allow the hope and the joy of the resurrection and the future inheritance to be the lens by which you live and navigate your life. What he's saying is don't sway from it. Don't allow other purposes and other sense of meaning, 
or another mission to sway you. Be steadfast. He goes on to say, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Do you want to know what that means? Before you all say amen. Always giving of yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Always giving of yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Folks, if the resurrection is true, we should give and do everything for this cause. For this cause. For the cause of seeing the people that we say that we love, who live in our streets, that are in our families, that without coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are destined for death and hell. This is a purpose, a meaning, and a mission that as you engage in, you know is not in vain. You know it's not in vain because he has risen from the dead. And the fruit of this work bears fruit that echoes into eternity. One of my favorite films of all time, Gladiator. I've heard a rumor that they're going to make another one. Is that right? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Just put that out there on the internet. And Marcus Aurelius, who's played by um, Russell Crowe, right at the beginning, stands before all his warriors, and he says this, Brothers, what we do in this life will echo in eternity. I remember when Liverpool won the Champions League in 2005, there was a massive barrier. What we do in this life will echo into eternity. Just doesn't seem as... You know, I love football, but... But folks, because of the resurrection of Jesus, what you do for him is not in vain. Therefore, it will echo into eternity. Amen? It will. It's not just a line from a film. That is the truth of the gospel. And I know the temptation to sway, to not give yourself fully, will be a daily struggle. Because of many things. The cares of the world, fear, suffering. But even in these things, they should lead us to rely on the one who raises the dead. As we live in light of the resurrection... We live in light of the resurrection, relying on the God of the resurrection to help us. Isn't that good news? It's not like, like Jesus has risen from the dead, sitting there at the right hand of the Father and just going, crack on with it. No, he sends the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that if you have faith in him is the same Spirit that lives in you, will help you, help you. Live a life that is shaped by the truth of that and proclaim that with the people that we say that we love. The resurrection gives us purposeful mission. And finally, the resurrection promises a truly happy ever after. We all love a story that has a happy ending. Amen? Unless you're a bit weird. You know what I mean? A bit weird. If you're out there, oh no, I want it really dark and I want it to end horrible. But we all love a happy ever ending. And any good story will keep us on the edge of our seats because we want the hero to win. We want the people to be saved. We want the circumstances to change. We want the end of the story to be happy. Don't we? We do. Why is that? Because we were created not to have an ending. That's why. We were created not to have an ending. That's why it resonates so much. And the ending that we do face, death, is an intrusion. And it does feel abnormal, doesn't it? It just does. I watched the classic film, Forrest Gump, with my Lily this week. 
And Forrest Grump, if you haven't seen it, is a really, really good film. It's got loads of iconic moments and famous lines like, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Or run, Forrest, run. Classics. But a line at the end of the film, when he's standing at the grave of the love of his life, Jenny, he says this. Mama always told me that death was a part of life. But I wish it wasn't. That's what we all think and feel at a funeral. This is part of life, but we wish it wasn't. Folks, that enemy death has been conquered by Jesus. Amen. The intruder has been overcome. The sting of it for those who put their trust in the risen Jesus has gone, and he has paid the way for a truly happy ever after. See, in verses 20 to 26, he says this. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ, who is the first roots of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has passed all, put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus is the first fruit of a new humanity, a first fruit of a new creation. He rises never to die again. And this term, folks, first fruits, refers to the first sample of, of a crop that indicates the nature and the quality of the rest of the crop. That's what it means. So Jesus is the first fruits. The quality of him means that we also will share in that. Christ's resurrection body gives us a foretaste of what those of us who believe it will be like for. We will rise again, never to die again. We will follow him into a new creation. Death has lost its sting, therefore death will have no hold and death will be destroyed the resurrection, folks, promises a truly happy ever after. But it's not a happy ending. It is, in fact, a happy beginning. The beginning of a new creation. And the Bible tells us what it's going to be like. I read this often and I never will get tired of reading it. That I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. And I heard a voice loud from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy, and they are true. Jesus has conquered sin, death, hell, 
the devil and the grave. He is alive and this changes everything. It gives us life beyond the grave, joy beyond belief, purposeful meaning and mission and promises a truly happy ever after. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. And I thank you that he is alive. We thank you that he will forever be reigning. And we thank you that we, his people, who have faith in him, will reign with him. We thank you that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ changes everything. And I pray, Lord, that we would live our lives through the lens that he is alive. And we get to share in the wonder of what he has done. Thank you so much. We don't deserve that. But we thank you so much that we get to enjoy the blessings of that. Help us to live our lives in light of that. We pray, Lord, that the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit would remind us daily that we have life in abundance because Jesus has risen from the dead. And Father God, I pray that as your people, that we, with confidence that comes from you, the one who raises the dead, that we would be people who would proclaim this as the most important news, that we would share this as the most important news, that we would be brave, knowing that as we share it, even though we may be rejected, what we do for you is not in vain. We ask, Lord, and we pray for those who may be here today, those who we know, we ask that this coming year that you would save them. We ask, Lord, maybe now that you would save. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing. We're going to let the kids in. We're going to sing a load of songs. We're going to celebrate. And we want to celebrate that Jesus is alive. But if you want prayer for anything, I'll be at the front. Paul will be at the front, Sean, Luke, there's others, and Bonnie will, will be near the front. Please come and see us, and we'll pray. We'll pray with you. If you want to know more about Jesus, I want to know more about him. Come and see us. If you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, either do it in your seat. Thank him for what he has done. Thank him that he has taken all your brokenness and your shame and your pain on himself. Pray, thank him, give your life to the Lord Jesus. He will change everything for you. He will. Still may be difficult, it still may be hard, but he will change everything. He will actually give everything that what we've shared for and shared about today. Please do that. Don't walk out of this place without considering that. Let's stand, let's sing together.